Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. I'm excited uh, to get into part two of a sermon series we are calling Haunted Heart. I I said before, I'm not a, last week, I'm not a big fan of the horror genre or the theatrical when it comes to uh, scary things. I just feel like life is scary enough. I'm not going to pay you to scare me. I'm not going to pay money to be scared. Um, But uh, I do believe that there are some, you know, valuable lessons that we can pull from some of these iconic uh, Hollywood characters, these monsters. And and last Sunday, were you here last Sunday? Um, last Sunday we spoke about Frankenstein and we spoke about um, our, our proclivity to build fake versions of us to be the bridges between who we are and who we want to be, the, the future me. And I, and I said that uh, the fake you will always disappoint you and disappoint others and God doesn't even want the fake you. He'll take the broken you. He'll take the messed up you. He'll take the you with issues and he'll be the bridge. He'll be the bridge between who you are and who you want to be. And so that was Frankenstein. That's awesome. And that this Sunday, we're going to talk about a different monster. And I'm going to need a drum roll presentation. And so would you give me, before I introduce this monster, would you give me just a bit of a, a knee clap kind of, kind of drum roll? Okay, keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. Today we're going to talk about vampires. Can we zoom in real quick? This for the YouTube crowd. <laughs> this is really hard. Um, welcome to church. <laughs> this is church, I promise. Today we're going to talk about vampires. This is not working. Um, But uh, we're not going to talk about the vampires who suck your blood. Instead, we're going to talk about the vampires who suck the life out of your soul. <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about today? Don't look at them. <laughs> Chances are one of them came to church with you today. And so we're going to talk about these people. Does anybody have difficult people in their life who are difficult to love? Raise your hand if. Okay, we know what that is. I didn't say cheer. Um, you need this message today for sure. Somebody said, woo, don't take it that far now. Come on now. Be Jesus. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about these vampires who suck the life and energy out of us. And uh, if you don't know who uh, we're talking about today, I'm going to kind of give you some, uh, some, some, uh, some definitions. I'm going to give you some, some categories that you can look at and say, oh, yeah, I know, I know that kind of a person. And I guess the best place to start would be with the fact that, um, oh, if I haven't introduced myself yet, my name's JJ. <laughs> I'm the pastor here at Journey Church. Some rando who grabbed the microphone. Um, anyway, uh, I just like to do that. I know you bring friends every Sunday. They don't know who I am, and we don't have a thing on the screen that says who I am. So that's who I am. Anyway, um, I know that when it comes to vampires, one of the questions that we might ask ourselves is, why do we even have these people in our lives, if they really do suck the life out of us, why are we even their friends? Why do we even hang with them? And the reality is because vampires don't just suck you dry. Like every good vampire, they have the power of seduction, which is the also power to suck you in. 
They suck you into their issues. They suck you into their dysfunction. They suck you into their problems. And you know you shouldn't be around them. And you know you shouldn't engage, but you just can't help it. You're like a fly to the bug zapper. You see it. You know it killed Timmy. And you know it killed Johnny. But you're going for it anyway. You just can't help it. It's like when you're in traffic and everybody is slowing down because there's an accident on the side. And you say, oh, my goodness, would everybody just mind their business and, and not pay attention to the accident? And then you tell yourself, when it's my turn to pass the accident, I'm going to just keep going. <laughs> yeah, at 15 miles an hour, okay. You can't help but stare at the accident, at the car crash. And so uh, these vampires, they don't just suck you dry, they suck you in. And so what are some of the type of the vampires? What are some types of the people? What are the people types that we have in our lives? Well, I think the first kind of person are, are, are negative people. Negative people. Negative people can really be a vampire on, on your life. You know who these people are, right? These are the people in life who nothing is ever going right in their life. Ever. And uh, you messed up because you saw them in a hallway one time and you said, how are you? And you were just expecting the answer that everybody knows you're supposed to give to that answer. Good, fine, awesome. But they didn't say that. You said, how are you? They said, eh. And you were on your way out because everybody knows in America, that's not a real question. In America, that's just our way of saying hi. How are you? Eh. And then you're like, oh, oh. Okay, we need to talk about this. Okay, um, Yeah, and listen, and you say, well, that person's just being honest. I got no problem with honesty. The problem is that in the 12 years I've known you, your answer has always been, eh, nothing's gone right in the last 12 years of your life. Nothing is working for you, really. Right? They, they suck you in. Uh, also, uh, these negative people are also um, like habitual complainers. They're always complaining about everything. They suck you in with these three words. These are the three words that get you it. Can I vent? Can I vent real quick? I just need a vent. I just need someone to vent to. Can I vent to you? And you're like, yeah, sure. But the thing that they're venting is poison gas. It's cynicism. And it fills your heart. And it sucks you dry of optimism. And it sucks you dry of energy. And it sucks you dry of encouragement. Second time a vampire, you might know this person. They're the controlling people in our lives. What I've learned about controlling people is that controlling people are not necessarily malicious. They're not trying to do a bad thing. They're actually trying to help. The problem is their form of help is you doing things their way, how they want you to do it, when they want you to do it. (coughs) And so your life would just get on track if you would just do what I'm telling you to do. Uh, Parents can be this type of vampire a lot of times in our lives because we owe them so much and they know that. And so they use it on us. If you would just, right, they come at you, they suck you in with threats or guilt. That's how they do it. They're manipulative. Not parents. Well, some are. But controllers are manipulative. They suck you in with threats or guilt. If, if you don't do this, I'm doing this. They come at you with silence or violence. Have you ever met a person like that? If you don't, and then you don't do what they say, and they just go, fine, I'm not talking to you. And they walk over to the corner, right? Silence or violence. Or they'll come at with threats or with guilt. Um, After all I've done for you, you mean you won't do this for me? That's where the moms are best. (laughs) They're like, I've sacrificed my body for you. You think I was born this way? (laughs) You think I look like this at 20? No, this was after you came out. You owe me. 
You need to visit me five days a week. I could be dead and you wouldn't know it. <laughs> if you're not laughing, you're crying. Um, those are the controlling people. The third type of vampire, listen, these are critical people. Ooh, does anybody know any critical people in our lives? They have a spiritual gift. The spiritual gift of fault finding. They can find anything wrong with anybody, including yourself. <laughs> this is the boss you never hear from until you make a mistake. This is the mom or dad who still criticizes the way you do your hair, the way you get dressed, the way you parent your kids. Still criticize that fake church you go to with the skinny Puerto Rican pastor who dresses up like monsters. It's not a real church. And um, I know what they're saying. And uh, this could be the spouse who is overly critical because of the way that you load the dishwasher or the way that you never load the dishwasher. And these, person, these people, they suck you in. They suck you in. This is their phrase. This is how they get you in. Can I be honest? I need, I need to be honest with you. Can I, can I be honest? And, and, well, you don't want to live in deception, so you're like, well, sure, be honest. And then they lay into you. Just one time in my life, just one time, I want to be like, can I be honest? No. <laughs> no, you cannot, because your honesty sucks. <laughs> it literally sucks the life out of me. The least you could do is start with, like, two encouraging things and then go into two bad things and then back to two encouraging things. The very least you can do. And they suck you dry of your self-worth and your self-value. And lastly, and maybe you know someone like this, the last type of vampires in our lives, they are the needy people. Always needing something. Always in trouble. Always going through it. Always. 28 years. They've been going through it for 28 years. And they're looking at you to be their savior. Let me tell you, in every, it's almost a spiritual principle. In every church and in every small group, and, or junior group, and in every uh, family, there is always one needy, crazy person in everyone. If you believe that, raise your hand. If you know there's always one. There's always one. Raise your hand. Okay. Keep your hand raised. Keep your hand raised if you believe that. Look around at everyone who doesn't have their hand raised. <laughs> hey, there's always one. There's always one. There's always one. They're always a victim. Maybe it's that relative who lives alone, that guy in journey groups who doesn't have a lot of friends, or your friend who just needs a little money to get back on his feet, but he's been trying to get on his feet for the last five years. It's that guy in the office who's always asking you how his outfit looks or if you can notice that he's been going to the gym. So needy. Needs your approval and needs your validation. Needs somebody to tell him that they look good. And it's a problem. They suck on our empathy. They suck us in because we're empathetic and we want to help people. But sometimes the way we help someone can hurt them more than help them. If I haven't hit that person yet in your life, let me just kind of go through a quick description of them. I'll, I'll hit this real quick. If, if you haven't found, found your vampire in those four, let me bullet off some stuff. Vampires are people who approach life with a high sense of entitlement but a low sense of gratitude. They demand their rights, but they forsake their responsibilities. They never follow through on their commitments. Whatever they're dealing with is always the most important thing in the world. Hello, somebody. They talk so much, but they listen so little. They excuse their own issues, but always expose, expose the faults of others. They freak out when they're faced with the slightest inconvenience. They're quick to brag, but slow to point out their failures. And they complain about their situation when there are so many other people in the world who would gladly trade places with them. Here's the question I pose to you. What do we do with these vampires in our lives? What do we do? You know what the easy answer is. And the answer that I wanted to preach about today, I wanted to preach about on how to kill the vampires in your life. 
How many people would love a sermon on that? How to just get rid of them so that they're not there no more. And come on, only one honest person in the whole church. Everybody acting all spiritual. Come on. If you're perfect, you don't need to be here, okay? <laughs> How many people would love a sermon on that? I wanted to preach that message. How to slay the vampires in our lives so that we could live vampire-free lives in a vampire-free world. And so, and so I did it. I went into the Bible and I was like, Bible. Tell me how to kill the vampires in my life. Tell me how to kill the enemies in my life. And I went page after page after page after page. And guess what? The Bible doesn't teach us how to kill our enemies. It only teaches us how to love them. Dang it. Boy, I wanted to slay them so bad. I just want to live my life in peace. I don't want to do life with them anymore. I feel like I'd be happier if they weren't there. But the Bible doesn't teach us how to kill our enemies. Listen, the Bible teaches us how to love them. I, I went through my concordance. You know what a concordance is where you can type in words or phrases, and then it'll show you, you know, if those phrases are anywhere in the Bible. So I looked, I looked up slay sinners. That's why I looked up slay sinners. Google reported back zero results. Slay sinners. The nearest result that it could find was save sinners. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Oh my goodness, I know this is contrary to what the world would have you believe, Christians believe, but here's the truth that's within these pages. Listen, Jesus doesn't kill bad people, he dies for them. He doesn't kill bad people. He dies for them. He doesn't put a wooden stake through their heart. On the contrary, he put his heart on a wooden stake 2,000 years ago to save the very sinner we're trying to slay. He died for them. Listen to me. You are not called to be Buffy. You are not Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Tap your neighbor and tell him, stop trying to be Buffy. Now look at me and start trying to be Jesus. Boy, I wish I could teach you a message on how to slay these vampires, but that's not what this book is about. And so instead, I'm going to teach you a much more difficult thing today. I'm going to teach you how to live with the vampires and how to love those vampires. I didn't expect a lot of amens. That's okay. We want them out. They're not going anywhere. And you know why they're not going out? Because in order to get rid of all the vampires in the world, we'd have to get rid of you too. Oh, did you not finish reading 1 Timothy 1.15? Can we read that one time? Yeah. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Okay. Uh -oh. How's that end? Uh, with the slides. How's that verse end? Of whom I am the worst. You're the worst. I'm the worst. We are all the worst. I know you weren't expecting this when you came to church, but you got to hear me. You suck. <laughs> you suck. I suck. We all suck. Somebody give God some praise. We all suck. <laughs> hey, the reality is we're vampires too, you know. We could be a little bit needy too. We could be a little bit critical too. That's us. And it helps when you understand that you're a vampire because then it's easier to extend mercy when you're expecting it for yourself. But if you think you came to save everybody and be everybody's Messiah, you're going to have a hard time. 
loving on people. I'm so grateful. Listen, I know this isn't super encouraging, but we all suck. In some aspect of our lives, here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrites. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus is saying before we can love, help, or relate to the life suckers in our life, we have to first work on our life sucking tendencies. It's so amazing when people first get into relationships with other people. You know how they say love is blind? It really, really is. The moment you start in a relationship with somebody, love is like this. And you're like, I love him. Cool, cool. What's his credit score? I don't know, but I love him. You don't care to know? No, the only credit I need is love. We're going to run on love, okay? Okay? Uh, he lives with his mom. That's because he loves his mom. And that's a good thing to want in a man. I love him. I love him. Okay? Does he, does he go to church? No, he doesn't go to church, but that's my, I'm going to save him. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to love him. To, my love is going to be so strong, it's going to bring him to the cross. Take me to the cross. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to love him. That's how love starts. Come on. Anybody been in a relationship? All the things that everybody was telling you about that person that was wrong, and you were all like, no, he's perfect. <laughs> Where are they now? <laughs> right? Love starts like that. But hold on. If that's you, it's so funny how love goes from this to this. And all the married people said, oh, yeah, because the things, the things that you refuse to see when you're dating, you can't help but see. When you get married. And that person's got all the issues. And that person's got all the problems. So here's how we do it. We think, well, I'm going to just focus on their issues. Because if I can focus on them, I can fix them. But the only thing you're doing by focusing on them is magnifying their issues. And making bigger the problem than it actually is. And so you'll wake up in the morning and your husband will forget to kiss you good morning. And then you'll be like, he didn't kiss me. She's cheating on me with his secretary. <laughs> All because he didn't kiss you. All because he didn't kiss you. We make problems bigger than they ought to actually seem. We're just, we're just magnifying every little thing. He didn't text me back. She didn't text me back. She usually makes chicken on Thursdays. Today she made pork chops. What's happening? What's happening? And we try, all we're doing is magnifying the other, the other person's problems. We're, we're working on them. But you know that the best way to help somebody, you are never going to help a person that you're in a relationship with, whether it be dating or friendship, by, by, with a magnifying glass. The only way you're going to help them is by putting down the magnifying glass and picking up the mirror. And looking at yourself. And saying to yourself, what are my issues? Good God, my pores. What are you? What are the things I'm going through right now? What are, the, what are my life-sucking habits? The only thing you can ever fix anyway is yourself. You got to work on yourself and look at your own life-sucking habits. But that's a problem. You know why? Because they say vampires can't see their own reflection.
Vampires can't see, they don't reflect. Oh, they got great vision. They can see at night. They can see far away. They can see what's wrong with every other person. They just can't see what's wrong with themselves. And they don't want to get brought into the light because light is what exposes a vampire. Light is what destroys a vampire. So we'll stay in the shadow criticizing other people. And we'll stay in the shadow criticizing all the relationships and the people in our life who are really there to love us, but we just keep criticizing them, not wanting to step out on ourselves. That's why, that's why David said, search my heart, O oh God. Test inside of me if there be any wrongdoing in me because I can't see it myself. Would you bring it out of me if it's in it? You know, I got a haircut yesterday. Um, thanks for noticing. I'm needy. Um, thanks for noticing I got a haircut. And, and the stylist, she asked me a question. She said, is there any pressure on you? Because let me tell you, once you realize how, how broken you are, once you realize how much stuff you got going on in your own face, you know it doesn't make you feel bad. It actually makes you feel better. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you how. The stylist asked me, she said, you ever feel pressure? She knows I'm a pastor. And I said, I said, pressure to what? She said, you know, to save people. Pressure to be perfect. I said, I used to. I used to when I thought that I was actually good at what I do. But I've been doing this long enough now to know I suck. <laughs> if this church grows, it will not because of my preaching. I suck. Here's what I've learned. That the same Jesus Christ who rescued my life, the same power that delivered me and built me up, that's what changes and delivers and rescues other people. And so the pressure's not on me because I know that this is not my job. I went to Chicago to have, Chicago has like some of the best food, y'all. And they have some really great coffee. Yeah, they got some really great coffee. And it's like world famous coffee place. And my wife and I went in there. And you could tell the moment we went in that everybody was trying to live up to the reputation that they had. Like the coffee barista, like she was under pressure. You could just tell she was under pressure. And even the coffee server, she was under pressure. And like, and like everybody in the store was also under pressure. because like, is this going to live up to the best coffee in the world? So we went in and we ordered. Liz had a chai latte, changed her life. <laughs> and, and we went in and everybody had pressure. You know the only thing that didn't have pressure in that whole building? The cup. The cup had no pressure because it wasn't the cup's job to make the coffee taste good. It wasn't the cup's job to brew that coffee. It wasn't the cup's job to, to flavor that coffee. You know, all the cup had to do was pour out what had been deposited in it. Y'all, we are just cups. And I'm grateful that I'm just a cup, that I suck, because my job is just to pour out what God's already poured into me. And so it shouldn't discourage you. It should encourage you. I don't have to have the pressure to save other people. I'm nobody's Messiah, and neither are you. I'm nobody's Savior, and neither are you. We can be our broken selves. And allow the love that changed us and changed us in our dysfunction to help change others in their dysfunction by loving them through their dysfunction. Amen? Give God some praise. Y'all suck. <laughs> and, and you got to choose. And here's another thing you got to understand. Nobody can take what you choose to give. Vampires always taken from us. Yeah, but, but nobody can take what you choose to give. Did you know that? If you choose to give first. John chapter 10 verse 17. The father loves me because I sacrificed my life. So I may take it back again. Verse 18. No one can take my life from me. He said, I figured out how to live with vampires. Here's how I do it. I've decided that no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. Are you seeing what's happening? Jesus just says, you're trying to kill me, but you can't kill me because I sacrifice. Jesus said, you can't fire me, I quit. <laughs> he said, I'm going to beat you to it. I'm going to beat you to it. My Uncle Jose taught me in a fight, you're always a smaller guy, so you better punch first. You better punch first. And Jesus on the cross, listen, drew first blood. He said, you can't take my life because I give it. 
You know what it's like to give in advance? No one can ever rob you or, or take you. And, and so I'm going to just do this. I'm going to come down here real quickly. And uh, just to explain this to you, because I know you might not understand this, but I'll, I'll give you a little illustration. Uh, my man, come on up real quick. Come on up real quick. Real quick. I need you to rob me. <laughs> right now. I need you to rob me for $20. Exactly. exactly. Just be like, gun, fake gun. We're in a red state, so. <laughs> hey, all right. All right. That's good. <laughs> I wasn't expecting a tool here, but um, say, give me $20. Give me $20. I want to hear your testimony after this. All right, check it out. I ain't got it, right? I ain't got it. Just sing out and tell me I ain't got it. You ain't got it. I ain't got it. And I, I, I can't give it because I ain't got it. Now, are you sitting in row D? You sitting in, in C10? Go me a favor, check on the C10 real quick. <laughs> Under the seat, yeah, right there. No, no, not the, not the tissue paper. Look at the bottom of the seat. Come back, come back. <laughs> What's that? $20. He can't take what I chose to give in advance. Can't take it. You see? So, so listen, this will revolutionize. The, you can put down the gun. Good. <laughs> this will revolutionize the way you work at your job. Because if you keep working for the promotion when you don't get it, you'll be disappointed. But if you work hard at your job because you work for your employer as you do unto the Lord, what the Bible teaches, that you don't have to expect a return. Listen, this was an example of a relationship that is based on sacrifice. This is a sacrificial relationship. The problem is we don't approach relationships sacrificially. We approach relationships transactionally. So we don't give without expectation of return. We give thinking that we're supposed to get something back. And when that person doesn't give what we gave them, we feel like we got because we approach relationships transactionally and not sacrificially. You know how many marriages would be saved if you would just love your spouse just because they're your spouse, not so they could do something you've been wanting them to do? I expected it to be quiet. I expected it to be quiet. You got to love sacrificially, not transactionally. You can keep that 20. That's yours, bro. Yeah, go ahead. Come on. You got to choose to give to them. That's the first sub-point of my, here's my second point. Um, young lady, come on. You're with him, right? All right, come on. One more. One more. <laughs> All right. Now, pretend like you didn't see what we just saw. Rob me at $20. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. All right, say, so give me 20 I need $20. I, need, I ain't got 20 Check under your seat. Check under your seat. Check under your seat. Check under your seat. Huh? Nothing there? You're right there's nothing there. Come back. Come back. Come back. Nothing there. You know why there's nothing there? Because I can't give you what I don't have. The reason why I don't have 20 is because I gave it to... I gave it to Liz. Now, Liz is not Liz in this illustration. She's not my wife in this illustration. In this illustration, Liz is playing the part of God, which if we're being honest, 
in my house. <laughs> she kind of is. <laughs> she brings everything into existence. <laughs> and me and my kids both love and equally fear her at the same time. <laughs> so she, she's kind of like God in our, in our home right there. Now listen, now I, no one can take what you choose to give them in advance. And listen to this, no one can take what you choose to give to God. No matter how negative a person in your relationship is, you know that they can't kill a dream that you've already given to God. Because it's not yours to be ruined that you've given it to him. See, it doesn't matter how much you complain about Journey Church or complain about what's going on. You know that it doesn't bother me because I've already given him this dream. And whether he decides to grow this church or not, that's on him. That's not on me because I gave it to him. Did you know that? You know that nobody can take your peace if you give your problem in advance to God. If you give your problem to God, you can't take my peace because it's no longer my problem to have. I gave it to him. And when you understand that no one can take your joy, you understand that no one can make you mad. Come on, you can have a seat. Then give it up for our, our sorry you didn't get 40 there, but, <laughs> you know, I don't make that much money. And so uh, nobody can make you mad. Did you know that? Now, this is looks like revolutionary because, and you need to understand, we understand this when it comes to kids. I've been trying to teach justice this for the longest time. I've been telling justice because he'll get into a fight with Zane, hit him, and then when I ask him why he hit him, he doesn't take responsibility. You know what he says? He made me do it. He made me do it. I said, what do you mean? He made me angry. He made me upset. He made me hit him. Listen, that's cool if you're five. But if you're 30, can I be real? Nobody makes you do anything. You choose. And I, and I wish I could just preach that to you, but I'm preaching that to myself. On Tuesday, you know, I, I lost my voice. I've been fighting this cough. On Tuesday, I was trying to preserve my voice, and Justice did something that Justice does. And, and, he, and he looked at me, and, 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 I, and, I, and I wanted to correct him, and I, I was in the wrong for this. I'll admit it. I raised my voice at him. No parent should, in anger, raise their voice to their child. I did that. I raised my voice at him, and I said this to him. I said, Justice, look what you made me do. I've been trying to save my voice for Sunday because I got to preach on Sunday. You made me scream. I kid you not as the Lord is my witness. He looked at me and he was, I made you scream? <laughs> he said, I made you scream, Dad? Really? I made you? I was like, Gah. <laughs> Okay, I chose to scream, but you're annoying. <laughs> I chose to. Listen, how long are you going to stay angry? How long are you going to stay upset? How long are you going to stay bitter? You don't got to hold on to it any longer. Choose to give it to God. Choose to give your issue to him. Choose to give your problem to him. <laughs> Choose to give him your bitterness. Give it to him. Give it to him. Give it to him. But how much do I give? Because if I give too much, I'll be empty. Isn't that the problem? If we're supposed to give to these vampires, when is the end? What if they suck me dry? I'll get you. That's why the next thing I'm going to tell you is never write anybody off, but always watch your balance sheet. Never write anybody off, but always watch your balance sheet. Listen, how many people are glad that God never wrote them off? I, I, I could have been written off. I'll take it one step further. I should have been written off. The way I live my life, the choices I made up until this point, I didn't always have a microphone in my hand. I didn't always have a Bible in my hand. If anything, it should have came on me worse because I grew up in church. I knew better. But I made some bad choices. If I was God, I'd have written me off a long time ago. I'm so grateful for the never-ending, never-stopping, never-love ne and mercy and grace of God. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that he never stops loving me. But listen, God can do this because his love is limitless because he is limitless when it comes to his energy and time. But people are not that way. 
We can't be God. Only God can be God. But God gave us a model for loving people when he became a man. When God was Jesus, God in man, the son of God, God with the flesh on, you know why? He loved the whole world. But in addition to loving the whole world, catch this, he had 72 disciples. He had 12 disciples and he had three disciples. He had different circles of investment and influence where he would choose to spend his time. Listen, we got to give sacrificially. We got to give selflessly. We got to give passionately. But we also have to give of our lives strategically. We can't just give ourselves to everybody and anybody because some people will withdraw more than they deposit. And what you got to do is, now the Bible doesn't give us the, the, the right to label people. That's called judging. But it does give us the right to label relationships. In, in, in Matthew, Jesus talks about the sower, and he says some ground is good ground, and some ground is bad ground. But if you can ever find good ground, let's put that up on the screen, Matthew, Christian. If you can ever find good ground, listen, good ground will return to you a hundredfold what you poured into it. What you need to do is you need to label the relationships of your life as the relationships that take more than they give. you got to label the relationships that withdraw more from you. They're always needy. They're always criticizing. They're always gossiping. They're always pulling on you. And you got to put those, those relationships in one category, and then you got to look at the other relationships and got these are the people I need to be around. This is why you can't afford to miss a Sunday if you can't afford to, if you can do it. Why? Because you got to make sure you're getting a deposit on Sunday because on Monday your job is going to be making some withdrawals. It's why you, get, you, got, you got to get in a journey group on Wednesday or Thursday because your job is going to be taking some withdrawals on Monday and Tuesday and you need to get some deposits on Wednesday and Thursday. You got to label the right relationships the right way because if you label the wrong relationships the wrong way, you'll be going to the wrong people for the wrong things. So you'll be going to vampires for deposits and then going to your family for withdrawals. And when you come home, your kids want to play with you, but you ain't got nothing left. And when you come home, your boyfriend, your girlfriend wants to talk with you, but you got nothing left. And then you got friends and your neighbors who need to see a good image of Jesus Christ. And by the time you get home, you're so exhausted, you got nothing left. Why? Because you've been scattering your seed wherever you want, but not asking yourself, is that good ground? Is that good ground? I'm so grateful for labels. My, 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 I was been fighting this cough, and my, my wife, she said, go to the medicine cabinet, and in the medicine cabinet, you'll find a small white, white pill. Take the small white pill. It'll help with your allergies, and it'll help clear all this up. And I'm like, cool, I'll do it. Only problem is, we got a lot of pills in that medicine cabinet. And because, the reason is because I have a mother-in-law. Her name is Carmen Vargas Santiago. Her initials are literally CVS. <laughs> literally. Now, I'm not going to put her out because she's in the front row. I'm just going to say, I'm not saying she's a drug dealer. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying she knows drug dealers. That's what I'm saying. We get antibiotics from Mexico. We get like all this crazy stuff. So there's a ton of, of, of things there. I go, well, what do I need? And she goes, oh, no, you need the one that says cetirizine on it. And I'm so grateful that the medicine had labels because if not, I could go to the wrong pill for the wrong purpose and get sick. We've been going to the wrong people for the wrong purposes. And it's making our soul sick. And we're living in a place of emotional, mental, and spiritual overdraft because we got more withdrawals coming out than we have deposits. And we're bankrupt spiritually. And we're bankrupt in our mind. And we're bankrupt in our soul because we're not getting around the right people. Here's the last thing you need to know. Don't look for people to pay you back. Claim your reward from the Lord. Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. And you know, one of the people whose feet he ends up washing? Judas. 
the ultimate vampire. If you don't know the story of Judas, he was one of Jesus' best friends, who ends up turning his back on him and betraying him for 30 pieces of silver. That's like a three weeks wage. Nothing. It wasn't even that much money. He betrays him. And, and Jesus gets on his feet and washes his feet. He loves him. Remember, we can't kill the vampires. We just got to love them. So how do we do that? I love what Jesus said in verse 3. In verse 2, we see the vampire. In verse 4 and 5, he washes their feet. But in John 13, 3, Jesus says, I was able to wash Judas' feet because, listen, I knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up. Why did he get up? <laughs> because he knew where his payment was coming from. I wasn't expecting anything from Judas. I knew, I knew that Judas was going to be a taker. So I didn't go to Judas for anything. I knew that these guys were going to steal, so I didn't go for anything. I went to the only one who has what I need. Sabi, appreciate you, bro. I got to pay my mortgage this month. And uh, I know we were giving out. He said, that sucks. No, no. Um, I, I gave these guys 20, but hey, my mortgage is like 2,000. I need 2,000. He said, I need 2002. <laughs> you ain't got it? You ain't got it. You ain't got it. You ain't got it. You ain't got it. Awesome. What's that car you drive again? Oh, not just any Jeep. <laughs> you got a nice car. I know that car you drive, bro. I need 2000 Can you help me out? I got to pay more than 2000 He said, I ain't got it. Jason. Jason, I pay you. You are on staff here at the church. You got a salary for me, man. Dude, I need 2000 Come on. That's audacious. <laughs> he said, that's audacious. <laughs> yeah. I ain't got it. None of them got it. Listen, you're frustrated because you're going to people to fill you up, but they're not filling you up because they don't want to. They're not filling you up because they're not able to. They don't got it. We keep going to relationships to fill our empty wallet. Relationships don't got it. We keep going. Listen, I'm talking to people who have empty wallets today. If that's you, hear me out. You walked in here and you look a lot like this. Because you know what? I think we have more in common with Jesus at this stage in his life than we've ever had with him before. Because at this stage in his life, he's already poured his life out for three years discipling people. He's given so much of himself. And right before he's going to the cross, look what he's saying. I'm out. I don't got a lot left in me. Whatever I have left is going to the cross. I'm out. And I'm just wondering, is there anybody here today whose wallet is empty? I'm not talking about financially, although maybe your wallet looks like mine financially. I'm talking about your emotional wallet. It's empty. Your, 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 your love wallet. Your love wallet's empty. Your important wallet. You feel important. It's empty. Uh, your, your valued wallet. It's empty. Um, your, your, your spiritual wallet, like you feel like God is so far, it's, it's empty. Uh, your wallet that, that determines, you know, the plan for your life, it's empty. You got no plans. You got no, you're empty and you're here today and you need someone to fill it up. Can I tell you, you're not going to find it in relationships. You're not even going to find it in dreams. You know, there are a lot of people who have dreams here. I love our church. We got bloggers, entrepreneurs, we got actresses, we've got actors. You know that chasing a dream is expensive? Do you know how much that costs to pursue a dream? And so I've given to my dream, but my dream hasn't given back. It's not, built, it's not built to me. I've given to my relationships, but my relationships haven't given back. It's not built to me. 
I've given to religion. Religion doesn't give back. It's not built to me. I've given to school and college, but those don't give back. They're not built to. There's only one person who can fill your wallet. There's only one person who can fill this up, and it's the one who is the source, the source of joy, the source of life, the source of hope, the source of peace, the source of strength, the source of health, the source of your life. And it's not, and it's not any person. It's only God, only Jesus. Only Jesus can fill the emptiness that we live with. Only him. What I'm telling you today is let's remove the expectation off of our ambition. Let's remove the expectation off of our spouse. Let's remove the expectation off of our kids. Let's remove the expectation over, over school and college. And let's put the expectation for payment on the Lord. Who has given it to us freely. Not as a transaction, but as a sacrifice. That's you bow your heads and close your eyes just one moment. If you're in this place today and you know you are bankrupt spiritually, hear me out. You've never made a decision to be in a relationship with Jesus who's willing to fill your cup, to fill your wallet. Now, when I say three, I want you to raise your right hand. Don't think about your friends or family. This is between you and the Lord right now. You need this in your life. You need him. I didn't come to preach about me. I didn't come to preach just about vampires. Listen, I came to preach about Jesus who is not a sucker but a giver and can give exactly what you need. If that's you, when I say three, I want you to raise your right hand. When I say three, as a signal, I need Jesus in my life. One, two, all over this place. One, two, three. Right now, you need Jesus in your life. Come on, I see that hand. Hey, I see that hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Church, pray this prayer with me. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer. I want everybody to pray this prayer. Father God, come on, tell this prayer. Father God, I'm coming to you. My wallet is empty. And today, I declare that you are the only one who can fill it. Jesus, fill my heart. I give you my life. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com, where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.